321. Welcome to David the Dog Trainer Podcast, episode 146. And we are back upstairs, which means Christmas time is over. Oh. It's uh, only 363 days until next Christmas. Or 363 something. days till Christmas. Yeah. So we made it past. You guys got a couple episodes in the basement. We got a couple more surprises as far as different layouts and stuff. But listen, you can't really see on the cameras right now. But this table is as clear as it's ever been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There used to be so much freaking shit on this table. Yeah. And we got it cleared. There's only the essentials right now. Yeah. It feels very minimalist. This table actually feels way bigger, too. It does now, yeah. You know? It does. Yeah, there's not three years worth of stuff that we've talked about just put back on the table, you know? Yeah. So I, I like it. Yeah. So here we are. Um, got a couple couple topics to go over today. We'll, uh, we'll get into and kind of see what we get. Sounds good. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's let's start jumping right into things. Today's, right. today's going to be a no-nonsense episode. No-nonsense. We might get into some nonsense, but... Okay, so so listen, our last episode, 145, I think yeah. got really, really great reception. Is that the right word? Yeah. A lot of engagement, a lot of people commenting on it. I think people really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to kind of take this moment, I think, to go over... Uh, just a couple of the questions we got on it. So here's one uh, comment that I thought was interesting. So this is somebody commented on and said, this is the simplify, the most simplified and most important message to other dog trainers and dog owners. Everything else is just extra and should be secondary to this. So I'm going to play this part of the episode real fast. We'll listen to it because I think it segues into the question that I got then. So okay. here we go. Ready? Create these ads. Sweetwater. The Uh-oh. They want you to be a musician. Okay, so so I was like, this is what this dog needs. I was like, you have put in all of the hard work and all of the training, and, and you just busted your ass with this dog to make sure you can keep him under control when you need to keep him under control. Mm-hmm. You've checked that box. As soon as you check that box with your dog, your next step is then taking that training, pushing it to the side temporarily, and allowing the dog to be a dog with the confidence that if you need to get him back under control, you've put in the hard work to ensure that you can do so. Mm. Right? Yeah. And when you hit that point with your dog, oh my God, I don't think you can imagine how great of a relationship you could start to have with them. Because here's the thing, right? He walks fine with her, right? So I told her, I was like, if you... Okay. So the point of that was all of this training stuff that we do, mm-hmm. it's all for the purpose of being able to provide more opportunities for our dogs to enrich themselves, yeah. right? So that segues into the question that I got, which is, here we go. Pookie and Fluffernut, Nutter. Oh. Wait, yeah, Fluffernutter. Pookie and Fluffernutter <laughs> is the name of the person. They commented, okay. or probably the name of the dog, I would, yeah. I would assume. Yeah, I, I believe so. They said, do you believe that a dog needs off-leash time to be truly fulfilled? I'm so anxious to let my dog off-lead, even if she was fully trained. There are so many outside factors out of my control. Mm. I'm glad you, I was going to actually bring this question up today if you weren't going to talk about it. Because I was like, I was reading that comment. I was like, dang, that's that's a good little question. Great. Yeah, great topic. Yeah, yeah. What's your take on it? Let's get let's get Josh's answer to the question first. <laughs> Can you read it again for me? Oh Jesus! I oh. gotta pull it back up. Yeah. All right. It says, "Do you believe that a dog needs off leash time to be truly fulfilled? 
I'm so anxious to let my dog off lead, even if she was fully trained. There are so many outside factors out of my control. Mm. I would say, <laughs> I mean, honestly, with my own experience with my dog, uh, yes. The, qu- the answer would be yes. It, it is 100% worth it. And I think it's 100%. not worth. I don't think the question is worth it. I think yeah. the question is necessary. Necessary. The mm. necessity of off leash time. Yeah. I mean, I think it's necessary. Mm-hmm. I, I believe it in, <laughs> enriches uh, my dog's life greatly to be able to have that ability to do that. I guess you could probably get away with not having it, but mm-hmm. I think in more, most, most cases, it's a really, really good thing to have for your dog. Mm-hmm. How's that sound? Uh, pretty good. Okay. So, so <clears throat> the short answer to this question is yes, I mm-hmm. believe it's necessary. Yeah. The longer answer to the question, though, is what we're going to kind of get into. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of people assume, I think, that giving your dog off-leash freedom and and letting them go and explore and run and do all of those types of things involves you being really reckless. Right? It involves you going to really busy populated places where there's other dogs and people and traffic and factors outside of your control, as this individual said, where she was saying, you know, even if my dog was trained, I wouldn't necessarily trust having my dog off leash in those situations. Mm-hmm. Right. To which I say, you have to. The, just because you know with great power comes great responsibility yeah right so like let's let's take the great power as having an off-leash trained dog a dog that is truly reliable when the leash is taken off of them who you feel you have like 99.9 percent control over in like most circumstances that doesn't mean you could be that fucking idiot that you see out at the park that just has their dog off leash and runs up to people and runs up to dogs and is like halfway in the freaking street and almost getting hit by cars and like all responsibility is just like thrown out the window because they're like, yeah. my dog can be off leash and they're not going to like <laughs> run away from me yeah. and I'm not going to lose them. You know what I mean? Like, mm. like that's not what that means. Off leash training means to me that you have the ability to communicate with your dog whether they have a leash on or not. Right, just at its core, right? So off-leash training is less the action of what you're doing and Mm. more the ability in which you have to control and communicate to Mm. your dog, right? Okay. So now we say we take that off-leash training and we have to give our dog appropriate outlets to have, quote-unquote, how this person asked, off-leash time, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So the off-leash time is 100% essential because let's say your dog never has off-leash time aside from... You know, and you could even dig deeper into this, right? And we could say, well, your dog is off leash time in the house, right? Yeah. But that's not the same thing. No. That's obviously not what we're talking about, yeah. right? We're not even talking off leash time. We're talking giving your dog the ability to experience new things and new situations and be mm. off leash so that they could run and do basically, you know, get all of their energy out of their system while exploring in new areas. Yeah. Right? So, the responsibility that comes into play is where and when you're doing that. And that's going to come down to your comfort level, right? Mm -hmm. How reliable you feel your off-leash training actually is, Mm -hmm. your safety protocols that you put in place, et cetera, et cetera. So so let's take an average owner that maybe has very moderate off-leash training abilities, Mm -hmm. right? 
Maybe they're, they're, you know, working on their off-leash training. Their dog's 70% reliable. Maybe their dog still has some issues with reactivity or prey or, or whatever it may be that you're working to get past, but you want to yeah. be able to give them an outlet for like off-leash ability, right? Sure. Well, the safest and, and, and easiest thing that you could do first and foremost is you could find somewhere access to a large plot of contained land, mm. Right. It exists. There's plenty of places that have it, right? Yeah. There's plenty of cities. I did a lesson uh, down in Columbus uh, like a month ago or something like that. Mm -hmm. And the local dog park that they had there, now I'm not recommending go to dog parks all the time, obviously, yeah. but it was a, a crappy day out, right? There was nobody at the dog park and they had this freaking probably three acre fenced in dog park. Oh, right. That's crazy. Hell yeah. Right. So guess what <laughs> yeah. we did? We took advantage of this three acre fenced in dog park. Oh yeah. And we let the dog tear around because this was a dog that was working through reactivity issues. Yep. Right. We let the dog tear around and go have fun and explore and sniff and have that ability to completely and utterly unrestrained explore and do whatever the dog wanted to. But you have to have the space to do it because yeah. the second it starts shrinking to a certain point, and it's going to be different for every single dog, but the second it starts shrinking to a certain point where the dog becomes aware of those boundaries mm -hmm. because they 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 you know their 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 birth or their girth in which they're they're tearing around is bigger than the area that they're in mm -hmm. you're going to start creating the frustration and remove the 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 sense of freedom that that dog has yeah you know what i mean yeah i'm sure that everybody out there knows at least one person that has a really 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 freaking large fence in yard oh yeah right I, I could think of probably 10 people that I know that have a minimum of an acre that is like mostly contained. Yeah. Right. That's a great opportunity as well. Mm -hmm. Right. Depending on the size of your dog, there are certain baseball fields and diamonds out there, you know, local public ones that are pretty much completely fenced in. Yeah. Right. That's an option as well. Right. So that's like the baseline. There's, there's websites you can go onto. I don't know the exact ones, but I had a client one time tell me about this website that she uses where they rent out like private property for you to take your dog to. Huh. Right. There, there's cool. again, I don't know the logistics of it, but it exists. And I'm sure if you do a quick Google search, you could find something like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, I think it's like you could, you could rent it in chunks of like 30 minutes and they have different like indoor or, or fenced in like agility fields and like yards and, and all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah. Right. So, Find some sort of way where you feel comfortable doing it, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't have access to totally fenced in yards, right? What's another option? Okay, well, maybe you know somebody that has an unfenced in yard or you have a public park somewhere where there, it's very much like, you know, unfrequented by yeah. locals. There's not a ton of people. There's not a ton of dogs there and stuff like that. Yeah. And you could go online and you could buy a freaking... 70 foot long line yeah you know what i mean mm -hmm. like whatever is going to be long enough for you're comfortable now sometimes that's a little bit of a pain in the ass because they get tangled up and yeah. they get dirty because they're dragging around on the ground you got to make sure there's not like a gazillion trees around it's going to get tangled up on mm -hmm. but that is an option to be able to allow your dog to start doing it with a massive safety protocol in play yeah right Obviously, as you do training, e-collars provide another level of security on top of that. Mm -hmm. And as you continuously put your dog in these different situations to allow them to, to be a dog and explore and like all of those types of things, mm -hmm. you're going to start 
as you encounter new pictures, you're going to start trusting the dog more and you're going to start trusting your ability to control the dog. Now, personally, yeah. the only way I feel confident letting my dogs fully off leash is if I have an e-collar on them. That's yeah. like kind of my insurance policy. And that's what helps me really, really trust them. Um, but, but, but as you do it more, you'll, you'll trust them more. Yeah. Right. But I, th I think like just just look at this logically. Like when we were talking about the free roaming in the last episode and we were talking about how like some people live this life with their dogs where it is just constant management and control like 24 mm. seven. It's like you're either in place for half of the day, you're in your crate for half of the day, or we're going for a walk around the block where you're expected to be in this like mentally restrained position right next to me constantly. Yeah. Just, just imagine that, right? Like put yourself in your dog's shoes and ask yourself like, like, is that enough to, to provide fulfillment for you, right? Mm. Probably not, right? There's probably going to be times you want to run and play and not yeah. have any sort of barriers you have to be mindful of. Yeah, you know what I mean? For sure. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's really important, but I think again, with great power comes great responsibility. I think you need to be mindful of how you're doing it safely, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. I've got a handful of areas in the in the greater Cleveland area that I know of that there's very very rarely dogs at very rarely people at you know I've never been given a hard time about taking my dogs there and I could take them to go run and play and and have a great time and you know that satisfies that urge for them oh yeah you know yeah <clears throat> um I think you the 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 greatest point is uh scaling it to where you know you're confident at mm -hmm. for sure I, um, that's pretty much the only way you're going to build that confidence is you kind of slowly build into a, a more maybe challenging area for you yeah. and your dog. <clears throat> and, and that's how you're going to build that trust too. Yeah, obviously, yeah. you know? Yeah. And you can keep putting, you can keep adding more and more safety protocols to things. Like, let's yeah. say like, okay, you're letting, you know, even with all of those things, you still feel like concerned that, oh my God, my dog is going to like run away or something. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm not going to be able to get them back or whatever. Right. Yeah. You could add, go buy one of those freaking five GPS dog collars, right. And put it on your dog and you have an True. additional backup. Let's say all of your safety protocols you put in place fail, right. Mm -hmm. The e-collar was turned off, right. <laughs> like the long line got unclipped somehow right yeah. there was a hole in the fence that you were using you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah. all of these things happen and your dog just and then then suddenly there was a squirrel and your dog just takes off after it mm. right that gps collar will ensure that it's not going to ensure the dog's not gonna get hit by a car there's only so much you can do about that kind of stuff right yeah yeah yeah. but it could at least ensure that um you'll be able to find the dog if they if they then take off i had this client one time i'm sure i've shared this story before on the podcast a long time ago like eight years ago or something like that had mm. this dog and they lived on like a farm out in like chesterland and this dog was just like basically an outdoor dog mm. and the dog would just literally just sometimes just leave and just go wander through the neighborhood and like just go fucking explore right <laughs> and she had one of those gps collars. Wow. and listen i'm not saying this is like responsible by yeah means, right? like probably should should do something about this yeah right? maybe. I, I believe she did but um, that, you know, she had one of those five GPS collars on the dog. Mm -hmm. And like, whenever she was like, I don't know where the fuck the dog is. She just pulled out her phone. It's like, oh, the dog's on the corner of fucking, you know, Chester and Wallinghurst. Let oh, me just God. go hop in the truck <laughs> and go pick the dog up. Right. Wow. And, and that would happen to her like all the time. Like she would like pull up, like it tells you 
Like it had those those collars, I believe, on the app give you like a a almost like you GPS out a route. It'll mm. tell you like the entire route that the dog took yeah, yeah, and everything. Yeah. So she'd pull it up and just be like, yeah, see, <laughs> you're just fucking wandering the neighborhood. Yeah, you know. So that's another safety pro- protocol that you could put in place then at that point. You know, you yeah. can combine all the safety protocols. You could do very large fenced in or mostly fenced in area. You could do GPS collar. You could do e collar, and you could do fifty foot long line. Yeah, right. Like it's it's anything you need to do to start giving this dog the ability to feel less restricted. But yeah. it all starts with that first clip that I played of putting in the hard work with your training to make sure that training is like ninety nine percent reliable, mm-hmm. so you could then start to do those types of things. Yeah, you know, for sure. It's like uh. True freedom, but with boundaries. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, I have a, a decent story. It kind of correlates with this, but um, uh, my cousin Jason in mm-hmm. Indiana, um, they, him and his uh, wife just started raising chickens. Mm. And uh, I think they have like 35 now, but they live on like 25 acres. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have two dogs. And um, they killed a couple of the chickens. Nice. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, but they they got e-collars through that. Not mm-hmm. not because of me. They just did it. Sure. You know? um, and the the first time they saw it, they they let him back out around the chickens. He started going for it. Bam! Just hit him. You know. Mm-hmm. No. You know. No training. You know. I. I. It's just how it is out in the the country. That's fine. Also, there's yeah. nothing wrong with doing that. Yeah. Right. Like people don't realize like setting a a firm boundary for something like that can be much more simple than you think, especially if you're only using it for like one or two things. Like Mm -hmm. if your dog has a habit of, yeah, chasing wildlife in the backyard, you know, obviously it's not going to ensure your dog has a good recall on it, but you could set a very firm boundary for chasing wildlife Mm -hmm. in the backyard and have the dog understand that and be much more reliable and safer because of it without any prior training. Yeah. Yeah. And she's, uh, his wife is saying that. They did it that one time. Yeah. Never again. They they, they realized that, oh, that's, yeah. that's a bad Can't thing. Can't do that. Yeah. So it, it was just pretty cool because they have free reign because it's kind of the same yeah. thing that you were talking about. It's just like they're just outside dogs. They just wander around the farm. Mm-hmm. But now they know that, hey, we have this freedom, but there's a, there's this boundary. Yeah. Like, those are a no-go. We had a dog. Uh, there's so many examples similar to this. We had a dog that the they lived in the medina area and they had this really wild pity mix thing right it wasn't like super dangerous but like he was a handful man right (laughs) and the dude's mom i believe owned like a horse ranch right okay tons of land right tons of freaking land probably like 50 60 acres something like that right and they would take the dog there and they couldn't let the dog off leash because he would chase the horses Right. Oh, okay. So I was like, okay, we're stopping that right now. <laughs> yeah. We're literally stopping that right now. Right. Mm-hmm. So we stopped him chasing the horses. And guess what he got to do then from that point on? Be off leash on the horse ranch. Yeah. Right. Enjoy all of this land around him. Yeah. Right. And for a dog like him, this particular dog was a really, really reactive, wild, tightly wound dog all the time. Yeah. Right. And they lived in 
I don't want to call it an apartment, maybe a condo, mm. right? A condo without a yard. Yeah. And he was restricted to on-leash walks all the time, mm -hmm. right? And we had to figure out ways to give him safely this off-leash reliability because mm -hmm. he was a little too crazy to just take to the local park and let off-leash to go run around, yeah. right? So what sorts of things did we do with him? Making sure that he could be off-leash at the horse ranch. So we found an area that was big enough for him yeah. to be able to give him that freedom to go run and mm -hmm. be a dog and stretch his legs so that when he was back home in his apartment, Apartment. He at least had that outlet elsewhere and he wasn't so tightly wound. That was one thing we did, right? Mm. We did, um, uh, we got him to, to actually socialize and play with other dogs. Socializing, playing with other dogs is also a fantastic way to be able to achieve some of this same like enrichment sense, right? Yeah. Um, you know, they're mentally engaging themselves, they're interacting, they're running and playing and stretching their legs. And generally because they're interacting with each other as opposed to just tearing around, but they're still kind of tearing with each other, yeah. you don't need as much space to achieve it in, right? Mm -hmm. So that's another thing you could add to your list, right? Um, but you need, you need enough space depending on the size of the dogs in order to let them not feel super restrained because that can mm -hmm. cause problems within the social. I did this social, I'm going in like 27 different You're directions. <laughs> I did this social the other day, hilarious, right? With, we had um, two Great Danes, a um, a Saint Bernarda doodle. Uh, what? Saint Bernarda doodle. <laughs> yeah, man. It's oh, a, boy. a Saint Bernard standard poodle mix. Huge dog. <laughs> Dude, he's like 160 pounds or something. Massive fucking dog, right? Wow. And we had an Irish wolfhound, which are horses. Yeah, just giants. Right? And I let all four of them out at the same time. <laughs> And it was just, it was just pure chaos. Yeah. Hold on, I have a video of it. It was really funny. You had a horse ranch, basically. Yeah. Let me find this. Here it is. Look at this. There's, she, oh, Jesus. Here's Seamus there, right? Look at these fucking oh dogs. <laughs> Look at these dogs. They're freaking oh horses. <laughs> Hilarious, right? So whatever, I was just like, and that was like near the end of it. So it was yeah. kind of settling down a little bit. When I first let them all out together, I was like, there is not enough room for this. <laughs> so yeah. I had to like open every door so they had access to like all of the yeah. spaces we had available. <laughs> you need like four acres just for yeah. them. So, so whatever. So uh, we did, we did um, off leash time on the horse ranch, right? Mm -hmm. We did socialization with other dogs and we did, uh, we taught them to ride with a bike, right? Oh, Okay. That's another great way, right? Something to allow your dog to really run at their full cadence, right? Because your dog can run faster than you. So you can't say, oh, I just go and run with them. They're still restrained in that moment, oh, right? Yeah. But running with a bike, I can bike pretty fucking fast, yeah. right? <laughs> Obviously, there's you know steps that go into play as far as how you teach it. Um, and uh, in addition to that, there's um, you know kind of some safety things you need to keep in mind as far as teaching your dog to heat out of the way of the bike, being aware of their stamina, like all that kind of stuff, obviously. Yeah. But we did all of those things to provide just a better outlet for him because he just lived in an unideal environment. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we had to oh, figure yeah. out ways to enrich his life just a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And those were some of those things that we wound up doing, you yeah. know? Oh yeah, for sure. <clears throat> so, so that that's all very important, you know. So yeah, that's what I got to say about that. <laughs> and all of it, like, that's where you get to like the question about off lead time is off leash time necessary for it? I I su I still want to say yes, yeah. right? I try to look at you know necessary from the standpoint of like, is there any alternative aside from it? Maybe a little bit. If you look at like on-leash bike rides, you look at contained 
playtime with other dogs, right, in an indoor location. Even though I still consider that off lead time, I don't think it's what this person is referencing, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, you know, long line time, you know, I suppose can constitute non-off lead time. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I guess, it, yeah, it's, yes, it's possible without it. But, like, if you look at what you're really achieving through doing those things without it, it's yeah. simulating the same thing as the off-leash time. Yeah, you're, but you're just putting way more yeah. steps in between. And I just think, I, I think when a dog has a long line on, even though they can kind of do the same thing, I really genuinely feel like they think there's something different. You know, they could sense that there's something different still. Oh, yeah. You know, and I wrote down just, just one word as you were talking. You know, the other thing, too, is, like, trust. Mm. Right. In order to provide an enriching life for your dog, mutual trust is so important. Right. Oh, and yeah. and the the never <laughs> letting the dog off leash thing highlights that there is still a very clear and apparent lack of trust of the dog. Right. Yeah. And we can put the responsibility on ourselves. That might be, you know, we haven't done a good enough job of training. We don't trust our training. Right. Yeah. But there is a lack of trust and your dog will feel that. That's true. You know, yeah, and I, <clears throat> I think this is another way of like you know <clears throat> taking your dog maybe to places on leash and and getting building that trust with a bunch of things going on and then taking to a park and kind of showing hey I you trust me there can you trust me here yeah kind of thing and I I think that can help build mutual respect towards each other I guess you could say yeah. I don't know if that's the right word, but you know what you know. What I'm trying to say, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, is that Alpha Brain working for you now? I don't know. I'm feeling pretty. Do you pretty, feel sharp? I'm feeling sharp and jazzed right now. I I <laughs> really try to. Okay, so <clears throat> you want to tell the people to give give the people the the context. <clears throat> so I found I found this uh, this brand that we've been we we know about from Joe Rogan uh, called on it and they have alpha brain which is supposed to uh, help your cognitive um, abilities to remember things and keep focused sharp tack on focus yep and 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 the task at hand mm -hmm. and uh, I was like oh we got I gotta buy that I found it so I, I bought it and I brought it today and I was like we're gonna try this and he didn't even I didn't even have to say anything he already had opened the bottle and Poured out the uh, the pills for us. So, the tablets, uh, if you will. The tablets, yeah. And uh, I don't know. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, I feel good right now, but I can't tell yet if I feel better than normal, you know? Yeah, I think I do. I need to, you know, here's the thing, right? Especially when you look at, like, this bottle of freaking pills, it tells you to take two of them <laughs> per day. Yeah. Right? And um, it's it's basically the bottle is, like, one week's supply of them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and the bottle is like $22 for one week's supply. Of them, <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so with stuff like that, I am very, very cautious to not fall into the placebo effect category. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where I need to have an undeniable level of proof that this thing is working yeah. before I say, yeah, go yeah. fucking buy the, yeah, the alpha yeah, brain. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. It I, needs to be undeniable. Yeah. Well, I think Joe Rogan, even he says he only takes it when there's like really like crazy scientists coming on so mm. he could like keep his attention to it. So I don't know if uh, that's how you're supposed to take it or like, I don't know. But who knows? I'm feeling good. I felt like I was grabbing onto every word you said. I'm, I'm happy about that. 
Um, okay. Uh, does that make? Did we answer the off leash time question? Yes. Do we think we answered that clearly? Yes. It's a pretty much a resounding yes. It's necessary, but there are alternatives. There's alternatives to achieve the same thing in a safer manner. Yes. But it's still kind of off leash time. Yeah. Is the answer to that question? Yeah. Okay, so I have two more topics. We're already a half hour in, so I don't know which one we're really? going over first. Yes. Wow. Um, okay, so this one I feel like could be an entire episode, right? So somebody commented on this. I'm going to read the question, and then depending on how I'm feeling after I read it, I might provide some insight, or we might do a whole podcast episode on it. Okay, sounds good. All right, you ready? Yeah. <clears throat> so Odd Soul commented on the same podcast episode, saying, completely off topic, but I was wondering... Do you believe that dogs have emotions? Do they experience it in similar ways as us humans? Obviously, I'm not talking about stuff like revenge. I'm a piss on your bed now because you didn't let me chew this sock. I'm pretty (laughs) sure they aren't capable of this. I'm talking about basic emotions such as anger, sadness, and happiness. There is a book that covers this a bit, How Emotions Are Made by Lisa Feldman Barrett. Chapter, is a growling dog angry? She says that we just bred dogs to be sensitive to our emotion and that they aren't really feeling anymore. It's just a reaction to our emotions. There is more in the text, but basically a quote, clearly dogs have something non-trivial going on upstairs. But even so, scientists have no indication yet that dogs have emotion concepts. In fact, there's pretty good evidence that they don't. Though many dog behaviors look emotional. She also says that when dogs wag their tail to the right, other dogs will perceive this as a relaxed, opposed, will perceive this as relaxed as opposed to when they wag it to the left. They will perceive it as more stressed. Is this something you've noticed? How does one even tell to which side they're wagging their tail? I suppose they lean their tail more to those sides and then wag it. The author is a researcher in psychology and neuroscience, not specific to dogs, but general as I've seen. Hmm. What do you think? What do you think? I think, um, I think, yeah, dogs do feed off our energy, but I do think they also have their own, I guess, I guess you would still call it emotion. Like, yeah. I, I feel like there's, you know, they feel, I don't know if it's, maybe they just feel safe with like their owner or something like that. But there definitely seems to be a happiness <coughs> around either their pack, you know, pack or yes. people. Um, I don't know. This is, this is a, it's a good one. Yeah, it's good. Okay. So I, I have some opinions on this. Okay. I need to look something up first. Though. All right. But my, my, my thinking is that they do have some sort of rudimentary, like, emotional states. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, not, not nearly as complex as what we have as humans, but I think they do have something. Yeah. Okay. So, so first I needed to figure out the definition of emotion, right? Okay. So emotion is a natural, instinctive state of mind deriving from one's circumstances, mood, or relationships with others. Oh, okay. So so the key to this question, so I had a couple years ago, I was back in Connecticut for Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. and there was this guy there that I never met before, and it was Brad. 
right? <clears throat> so okay. Brad was there, and Brad is a, Brad's a smart dude, right? Uh, I think he's he's like Kate's neighbor's friend, right? okay. older guy, whatever. Right? Yeah. Uh, inquisitive, challenges things, very opinionated. You know what I mean? Okay. And I got in a somewhat frustrating conversation with him that caused me to take a step back and analyze my opinions on certain things, right? Okay. So here was the conversation, right? Basically, the question was, do dogs have emotions? It was, yeah. the, it was the same exact question, right? Mm -hmm. And as dog trainers, I think one thing that we consistently say and I think most dog trainers say this, no matter what your view is on things, is dogs don't understand complex human emotions. Yeah. Right? Now, the debate that I got in with him was kind of like, well, what do they feel then? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And, and, and and it seems like they feel emotions, right? And, and I didn't have, neither does it sound like anybody, even like psychologists and stuff like that, have a definitive answer on this. Mm -hmm. But it forced me to come up with this like uh, Venn, I don't know if this is a Venn diagram or what it is, but I literally yeah. made this that night as we were, like in real time, I had to put this together in my head and explain it to him. And it was so fucking frustrating because I was getting so pissed off because I was like, I know what I'm saying, but I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever. Okay. So so here's kind of what I came up with. Mm -hmm. I think that, and this is 100% my opinion, I have no backing on any of this, right? So take it with a grain of salt. Okay. Right? I think that dogs can, like all behaviors or, or emotions that you see dogs emit exist on this spectrum of... I don't remember the exact words I used, but I believe it was safety or danger mm -hmm. and stimulated or suppressed. Okay. So let me kind of explain. Okay. Right? Safety and danger are on one side. Aroused and suppressed are on the other side. Right? Mm -hmm. So let's look at, let's look at safety first. Right? What is a, 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 emotion that would exist on feeling safe but being aroused you coming home from work yeah right grandma coming over the house mm -hmm. who always brings cookies and treats and stuff like that right yeah they don't feel a sense of danger they feel safe in that moment mm -hmm. and they're stimulated and it looks like happy right it yeah. looks like Whatever it looks like, you know, it looks like these emotions we would equate to human-based emotions. But yeah, I yeah. think in the dog's mind, they feel safe and they're excited. Yeah. Right? Something fun is about to happen and I feel safe. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's this deep love or, 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 you know what I mean? Like, I don't think there's complex emotions in it past just the dog is feeling those two things. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? I get it. Okay. Safety. Suppre and suppressed is probably the wrong word for this, but whatever, what's the opposite of, what's the anti, was antonym the correct word? What is the antonym of aroused? Calm, maybe, I guess, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'll look it up, you keep talking. Okay, whatever. So, so safety and suppressed, I'll just use that word for right now. Okay. Right, what would that mean? Maybe it's been a long day and your dog is laying on the couch, right? Heads down, relaxed, ears back, falling asleep, no concerns, you know, not, uh, uh, you know, not, not scared at all, no sense of danger, right? Laying next to you, things like that, right? They feel safe 
in the presence of their environment and the people that they're around, but they are in a very calm and controlled state of mind, right? Yeah. Again, I don't think there's much more to it than that going on in their head, right? Then you get to the, and again, there's a spectrum of all of these, obviously, Mm -hmm. right? Then you have like danger, right? So what is danger and aroused, right? Danger and aroused would be they're intimidated by another dog, right? Mm -hmm. Or another person. They're in a stimulated state of mind, right? And they take that stimulation and they start reacting or they bite Mm -hmm. or, or things like that. Yeah. Right? They're doing it because of a sense of danger, right? And they're stimulated, mm. right? Then you have danger, and and a lot of people would look at that as like angry, right? Yeah. Not necessarily, right? They're just they're they're sensing danger, and they're they're stimulated, yeah, right? And obviously, you get into then the 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 operant conditioning side of things, which is there's reinforcement behind these behaviors and all of that kind of stuff as well that plays a role in all of this. And I'm just talking about the emotional state in their mind, Mm -hmm. right? Then you have danger and suppressed, right? Dog hiding in the corner growling, fear-based snapping, Mm -hmm. right? Things like that, Mm -hmm. right? They're not confident in that moment, right? They're not stimulated in that moment. There's a sense of danger present and they're trying to figure out in a very suppressed manner how to contain all of those emotions. Yeah. Right? So so basically, I think if you break down like any dog behavior you would see or anything you would equate to an emotion, you could categorize it in some way, shape, or form onto this. Mm. And that's kind of the way that I look at emotions in dogs. Yeah. <clears throat> it kind of makes... I, I like how you, you broke it down. And it kind of makes sense for like, um, let's say... Like in, in our situation or in my personal situation when uh, we're in her grandparents, they, you know, Bender loves the grandparents. Mm-hmm. But when her uncle Terry comes over, he, he immediately is aroused mm-hmm. and defensive or feeling danger or whatever, because he just only sees him like two times a year, you know? Yep. And it's like there's a there's like a battle in, in his mind of how he should feel. Because he knows everything else is fine, but then this guy's new in, yes. into the mix. And it's definitely a uh, a battle to get him like calm down, and it does take a little bit, and then he's fine. But um, would you would you say that that's like kind of what's going on in his head is like this internalized battle of how he should feel? Yes. Conflict, okay. right? Yeah. They don't know if they are, you know, safe or if they are in danger. They might be somewhere in the middle of that mm. spectrum, yeah. right? And then the arousal level might also be somewhere in the middle. They're not totally suppressed, but they're not totally stimulated either, Yeah, right? So you have this strange ground where they're kind of ping-ponging back and forth on this line of like, I'm happy, I'm not happy, I'm safe, I'm in trouble. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think it's it's more of like, it's, it's, it's just a different end of the spectrum with it, right? Mm. And the thing is, like, a lot of, like, I just Googled, you know, do dogs understand human emotions, right? Mm. And there's all of these different articles out here that are basically saying, you know, this one, how does my dog know what I'm feeling? While dogs have limited capacity to understand human emotions, they are at experts on picking up behavioral cues, um, you know, then this other one from the American Kennel Club, your dog can hear your emotions, right? And they can sense your emotions, right? And then, you know... Um, 
these other ones that say, you know, they're highly attuned to their owner's emotional state. You know, there, there's all these different things where I don't think that they can, right? I think what it is, I think it was maybe in a, a blo- one of the blog posts Tyler Mudo made that we read where he said they can mirror emotional states kind of. Mm. I don't even know if it's as complex as that. I think that as our emotions start to get unpredictable, we start moving from the category of safe to dangerous. Mm. You know what I mean? Or yeah. unpredictable, right? So the dog moves on this spectrum from they, they're no longer feeling safe. And what do we see when we see a dog that is, let's say you're angry. And what do people say? Like I get home from work and my dog did something wrong and they knew they did something wrong. Yeah. Right. The dog absolutely has no clue that they did something wrong, but they sense that you are not in, you know, you are not safe in this moment, right? You're acting unpredictable and the dog is acting suppressed and scared and like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. But when in actuality, they're not thinking a complex emotion of, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I feel remorse or regret or anything like that. They are just in a suppressed danger state, right? Mm -hmm. They sense danger. You are unpredictable. I don't know what you're going to do. This is not safe. And I'm suppressed right now. I'm not stimulated. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. And any of those ones that you would categorize like that, you know, you could equate to that. So they're not mirroring your state of mind. They're responding to your state of mind, mm-hmm. right? Or they're responding to your emotion mm-hmm. because as your emotion changes, you become safe or dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And then um, would you say like, <clears throat> um, let's say they like, they like tearing up paper. Like if you leave a paper towel somewhere and then they make a mess of it. Mm-hmm. Is is that kind of like an imprinted thing? Like, instead of knowing that they shouldn't have done it, they just realize like when that is like torn up and they come to it that that was a bad thing. Do you know what I'm trying to? No. Like sometimes Bender will do that, and then like he'll just I'll be standing there, and maybe it's just my demeanor or something. But I, I sometimes I won't even say anything, and he'll come up and like he'll look, and then he'll be like. Mm-hmm. You know, like, because he knows, like, something bad has happened. So Danger you, suppressed. Yeah. So you think it's just because of, like, how I'm. Yeah. I mean, I'm you have to out. ask yourself yeah. the question of in that moment or in the past when you've run into that situation before, mm. are you like, Bender, what the fuck are you doing? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. do you become dangerous in that moment? Yeah. And if so, of course, he's anticipating danger in that moment. Yeah. Right. That would be the anticipation of danger. Right. You haven't acted mm-hmm. dangerous in that moment, but he's been conditioned in the past where, yeah. where, where when he catches you tearing up a paper towel, mm-hmm. you get mad at him. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And maybe that response is unpredictable, which is why the behavior is still happening. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you haven't consistently forget, you know, a lot of people think like, oh, you know, that happens, right? He walks in there and I go and I go, Bender, what the fuck? You know, what are you doing? Right? Like I do that to Vinny sometimes. Like he'll do something stupid. I'll be like, Vinny, what the fuck? You know? (laughs) But like, and a lot of people think in that moment, oh, I just punished my dog, right? He's not going to do it next time. That's not the case, right? That's not punishment. Nothing about that is like, oh my God, I really want to like make sure that consequence doesn't happen again. (laughs) It's just like, you know, like you're erratic right now. I don't feel safe around you. Like, and and he's might not even be equating it to necessarily the paper towel, right? It might be just the situation as a whole, right? Yeah. He's just like, you're freaking (laughs) the fuck out, bro. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right. Um, where that's why the behavior was, was still happening. Right. Or, you know, if you do provide an actual consequence in that moment, right. Then, you know, it's not consistent enough 
for him to want to ultimately stop the behavior. Yeah, you know what I mean? He sure. feels like there's still times he's going to get away with it because there's probably plenty of times that he does get away with it. You yeah. don't catch him in the act of doing it. Yeah. Right? Yep, yep, yep. <clears throat> so the behavior is contingent on he does it unless dad is around. Yeah. Right? And he's constantly sneaking for the opportunity to try to get away with it <laughs> yeah. when dad isn't around. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. But there's no complex emotion behind yeah, that. Yeah, you know yeah, what I yeah. mean? It's just like you're angry with him and he's responding to that anger. Yeah. Right? And I don't think he equates it to anger. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I don't think he thinks angry. Dad's angry right now. Yeah. He just says dad is not safe right now. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because what do dogs do, right? They stick really close to things that are safe and comfortable, and they stay really far away from things that are dangerous and uncomfortable, right? Mm -hmm. So love, cuddling on the couch with you, right? I don't think that is a display of love. Like, oh my God, I'm just so in love with you. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's just in that exact moment, you are very, very safe to the dog, mm. right? No different than, <laughs> this is a dumb one, right? But like, no different than Vera Every time the heat kicks on, goes and lays as close to the fucking vent on the floor <laughs> as possible. Yeah. It's the same exact thing she does when she comes and cuddles up to me. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, it's yeah, literally yeah. the same exact fucking thing, right? True. That is extremely safe, and she is extremely calm, and that is the emotion going on in her head. Yeah. Right? This is a safe comfortable spot, yeah. and I'm in a very chill state of mind. This is a safe place, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. It just it, And it's just a spectrum, and all of these things just move on that spectrum and are in different intensities of them. Yeah. There are certain things that are more or less safe than others. There are certain things that are more dangerous or less dangerous than others. Yeah. There's different degrees of being excited and different degrees of being calm, you know? True. Yeah, there's just... Uh, at the end of the day, I mean, I still would... Would you still define it as an emotion? Like, like, a, yes. Yeah. Like a basic, very, yeah. Basic I think those version. are still emotional states. And I guess this is where I suppose if you really break it down, I can contradict myself a little bit here, which is like, and I would have to look at, I mean, again, this is why this might be a really interesting entire episode because, mm -hmm. you know, we could look at like, I think there's what, 15 human emotions or something like that. Right. Maybe this is the same with you. I guess this could be the same thing with humans. Yeah. Right. We've just named those emotions. Right. So when we're at a certain degree of safety and aroused or safety mm -hmm. and suppressed, we've come up with a name for that. Right. That's what love is or that's what this. Is. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we've been able to over intellectualize it. Right. Yeah. Where dogs are not able to overly intellectualize it. So it's just really primal and core to them. Yeah. What, what's that kind of uh, graph called again? I don't know. I don't remember either. But maybe, yeah, like we're humans. It's like, you know, you have your cross, but you're, we, we have where we can have the dots kind of up here where they're just like, boop, and then immediately down to the next quadrant or something yeah. like that, you know, if that's a good way to see how like they're roughly compared, you know? Yeah. You got yeah, I don't know. You got something there. I saw you. I know, but I don't know if it's anything good or not. <laughs> just give it to us. Yeah. Okay. So I just I just googled what is the scientific definition of love, yeah. right? 
and and this came up it says the initial happy feelings of being in love is stimulated by three chemicals in the brain neuroadrenaline or noradrenaline that stimulates adrenaline production causing that racing heart and sweaty palms dopamine the feel good chemical and phenylethylamine that is released <laughs> when we're near our crush giving us butterflies in our tummies right so so there is actually a chemical thing happening in your brain right that mm. they've like caused you know they've determined love to be yeah. where the question i suppose would be do dogs have the ability to their brain be triggered to elicit those same three chemicals yeah i don't know I'm, that i mean that's way outside of my wheelhouse right <laughs> yeah. like yeah. <clears throat> so so i'm not sure you know yeah let's see can dogs feel love oh boy there's gonna be some pazioni only articles coming up any studies let's see Hold on. Give me a second. Okay. He's got to you got to filter through all of it. <clears throat> yeah, so it says Does my dog love me? How dogs love us is a matter of perception, Sin says. They look at our faces and make eye contact. They wag their tails or wiggle their butts as we walk in the door and present us with toys to play with. They want to sleep next to us. And unlike other animals, they seek us out for comfort and safety. Uh, and some get upset when we leave, even potentially to the point of separation anxiety. But those are things we perceive as love. We just don't know for sure, but we do have science helping us better understand. Uh, in 2014, Emory University researchers employed an fMRI scan and found that the section of the dog's brain the caudate nucleus associated with positive expectations reacted most strongly to the scent of their familiar humans. Um, but that, that could just be because they're conditioned to having positive experiences around us, mm -hmm. right? Which just equate to like, that doesn't... He even said safety. Yeah. <laughs> uh, similar uh, from scientists in Budapest, Hungary offered similar results, but instead focused on sound. Their findings suggested dogs can interpret the emotions in our voice, meaning they might be able to discern the happy voice we use as we talk to them. Yeah, but that's the same thing. That has nothing yeah. to do with love. That has to do with your voice dictating could have different conditioned associations as well. Yeah. When I talk like normal, obviously, it's not going to elicit much of a, a response out of my dog. When I talk in my really happy voice, usually that's associated with really positive things happening. And if I get my angry voice out, it's usually associated with <laughs> yeah. negative things. So all of these things are association. There's nothing deeper than it than that. Yeah. <clears throat> um, doo -doo. There are other sides from outside of the brain. Um, Japanese researchers found higher levels of oxytocin, the so-called love hormone in dogs and their owners if they spent time looking into each other's eyes. The findings <laughs> suggest we have a bond with our dogs the same way mothers and infants have. I mean, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. We're, we're talking about like they have this and it's a very basic simplified yeah they they, they don't they know much. i mean like even in this article it just says like we don't we don't really know <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know like yeah. and if they did an mr <clears throat> an mr fmri scan mm. likely they probably would be able to look up if these like emergent properties 
of neuropeptides and neurotransmitters exist in them or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. Like I said, a little bit outside of my wheelhouse, but that's my take on the dogs and emotions things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I just think it's, they have a, a very simplified version of emotions and yeah. it's like, yeah, you know, love, happiness, compassion, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah. It's all just wrapped into one big block. Yeah. I mean, I think they could exhibit a lot of those different things. I think the issue comes from when we equate them to the connection from human and dog. Mm. All of these emotional things we've created for humans, they're human constructs, right? They exist for us and we understand them. No different than one person understands a language, another person understands a language. We can equate them to be the same thing. I'm sure dogs can feel many of the same emotions as we do. Mm-hmm. The problem is in the dog's brain, they're not so complicated, right? Yeah. And because they don't understand all of the complex emotions that we feel and we can't communicate them effectively to each other, mm-hmm. the more we try to put those complex human emotions on dogs, the more we confuse them and the more we can move from that safety category to that danger con- category because we're unpredictable, Yeah. right? Like they're like dogs are not like, like we love to say like our dogs are so smart, but like in the end of the day, dogs are nowhere near as smart as humans are. You know what I mean? Like they're just, they're not right. Like, so, so when we over intellectualize things and we try to put all these complicated things on dogs, we forget their brains don't operate anywhere near at the same caliber as Mm -hmm. ours do. And they can't take that information and process it. So all it does is create problems. Right. So whether they can love us or not, right. Or or whether any of these things happen, (laughs) if we just look at it from this really core basic way of looking at it, that Mm. dogs actually can understand, we won't confuse them so fucking much. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so maybe we shouldn't humanize everything about dogs so much. So did you, uh, how did that conversation end? Did uh, that yeah, it was it was good. It wasn't even like an argument. It's not yeah. even like he was like, "Oh, you're wrong," or, or this or that. Yeah. It was just like there was a a barrier between like the point I was trying to get across and the point he was trying to get across. I think mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and you know what he was referencing was like there are studies done with like. I think like crows and pigeons and stuff like that, where they are like they proved certain like certain complex emotions with them. You know what I mean? But we forget to realize that a lot of those species are significantly more intelligent than dogs are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like some of these birds out there are smarter than fucking humans. Yeah. You know? (laughs) So. Yeah. And it doesn't correlate. And that's, that's the other thing. It's like, yeah, yeah, they're different species. That's a bird. Yeah, Yeah. We're talking about a dog, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's interesting to dive into. I'm, I'm curious to, to read some of, uh, maybe that book that they they referenced, you know, and, and mm-hmm. see what that's all about, obviously. Um, but it sounds like every time you look up this conversation of dogs and emotions, everything is very subjective and there's no concrete anything, yeah. you know? It's interpreting, you know? Mm-hmm. And most of those interpretations come down to associations that the dogs have of either good things or bad things, safety or danger. Yeah. Right? Yeah, makes sense. So that's what we got. So we talked about it. Yeah. I did have good. one more thing, but we'll save it for next time. There we go. Yeah, that was, I was going to say that's, that was a good, uh, uh, educationally packed, uh, podcast episode. Yeah, I think it was pretty good. Yeah. So now, uh, 
we'll see everyone in next the next year. Yeah, that's right. Right? You got anything else to add? No. I love that. I, I think uh, we should get some really good comments <laughs> on yeah, this right. one, I think. There's going to be some uh, discourse about it, you know. But, Bring the discourse. Yeah. We're here for it. Honestly, and then, yeah, if you have any more questions about it, we could... St- probably keep rapping on it yeah we could do a whole podcast on it still probably yeah and if anybody has any interest because again like i I will be the first to admit that like all of this is you know just my opinion on things without a whole lot of you know ground to stand on past just like observations and stuff yeah and my opinions on stuff uh if people have good articles or you know different opinions or takes and stuff like that i'd be happy to to look at them and discuss them further so yes Sounds good. All right, guys. We'll catch you on the next one. See ya.